Welcome to the Happy Pill Podcast. I'm Ursula Yerdun. In each episode, you're going to hear me share my story while offering information and resources while you continue on your journey of surpassing the effects of abuse and depression. I'm going to be doing some interviews with some very special guests who are going to share their journey and processes because my way is not the only way of healing. And the more information we have, the more we can share with one another. My hope is that you find love, inspiration, and purpose for your life. So let's get started. Welcome back, everybody. Thank you so much for coming in and a happy new year to you. Isn't it amazing? It's already 2020. What the hell? What happened to this decade? Uh, I don't know. But I hope you had the best, safest holiday season that you could. Um, I know I did. I stayed with a beautiful soul sister friend of mine. And it just really helped me get through the holidays and even the start of the new year because it's always a challenging time for me. So I don't know how you feel, my friends, but I feel like 2020 is going to be a great year. I feel like there will be breakthroughs and healing and lots of momentum going forward. And I hope you feel the same for yourself. With that said, let's get started. Okay, in my last episode, I was talking about uh, the emotional flashback that this was something that I wanted to discuss this year. And I think it's really important to talk about this emotional flashback. And I'm going to share with you what I was experiencing in the end of November so that you have an understanding of that. So in the meantime, I'm going to give some definition of what CPTSD is, what the emotional flashback is. And as you've heard me say before, I was diagnosed in 2017 with PTSD and in 2019 with CPTSD. And so what does that mean? What is the extra C? Well, that stands for complex post-traumatic stress disorder. The C stands for complex or complicated. It could be complicated as well. And I'm going to give you the definition from Pete Walker's book about CPTSD. So what he says here is CPTSD is a more severe form of post-traumatic stress disorder. It is delineated from this better known trauma syndrome by five of its most common and troublesome features. Emotional flashbacks, toxic shame, self-abandonment, and a vicious inner circle and social anxiety. Sorry, a vicious inner critic and social anxiety. Emotional flashbacks are perhaps the most noticeable and characteristic features of CPTSD. Survivors of traumatizing abandonment are extremely susceptible to painful emotional flashbacks, which unlike PTSD, do not typically have a visual component. Emotional flashbacks are sudden and often prolonged regression into the overwhelming feeling states of being an abused slash abandoned child. These feelings states, um, sorry, my apologies, These feeling states can include overwhelming fear, shame, alienation, rage, grief, and depression. They also include unnecessary triggering of our flight and fight responses. It's important to state here that the emotional flashbacks, like most things in life, are not all or none. Flashbacks can range in intensity from subtle to horrific. 
They can also vary in duration, ranging from moments to weeks on end, where they devolve into what many therapists call a regression. So that is his definition of CPTSD. And I wanted to offer another one as well. I'm sure that there are various uh, definitions, but they're all kind of talking about the same thing. So what I've pulled up from the Wikipedia... Okay, I lost my marker there, so now I'm back. Okay, Wikipedia says that CPTSD is a psychological disorder that can develop in response to prolonged, repeated experience of interpersonal trauma in the context in which the individual has little or no chance of escape. CPTSD relates to the trauma model of mental disorders and is associated with chronic sexual, psychological, and narcissistic narcissistic child abuse and physical abuse and neglect, chronic intimate partner violence, victims of prolonged workspace or school bullying, victims of kidnapping and hostage situations, indentured servants, which is essentially unpaid labor, victims of slavery and human trafficking, sweatshop workers, prisoners of war, concentration camp survivors, residential school survivors, defectors of cults or cult-like organizations, situations involving captivity and entrapment, which is a situation lacking a viable escape route for the victim or the perception of such. This can lead to CPTSD-like symptoms, which can include prolonged feelings of terror, worthlessness, helplessness, and and deformation of one's identity and sense of self. Okay, let's just stop there for a moment and just kind of take a breath and just breathe in and out because that is a lot of information and it can be terrifying just to even hear the definition of CPTSD. And I share these with you because there are so many situations that we could be a part of unwillingly and unknowingly that will cause this kind of um, reaction within ourselves, which is CPTSD. And generally, and even my therapist has said um, that her definition was, was that it's more than one event and it's more, um, it has prolonged exposure. So it's not just one event, but multiple events over multiple time or a various period of time. And that's how she had described CPTSD. So PTSD is generally defined as one moment, one event, right? And quite often we hear this from people who have gone and served in the wars, right? And they will have a traumatic event. But CPTSD is a little bit further than that. It's, it's a lot more complicated. So it, it's not always easily diagnosed. And my doctor herself wasn't even aware of it. I had, um, my therapist had, uh, had described it to me. So I had to tell my doctor, I had a psychiatrist actually confirm with my doctor that yes, I do have CPTSD. So then it was like my doctor, you know, she was really in alignment with me and is really helping me. But the more information that I have for her as well, the more that we can build a healthy um, lifestyle for myself, the more that we have treatment options and self-care options. So here is the definition. I'm sorry if that feels like a bit of a download for you, but it's better to know something and then slowly start to take it apart from there. I'm hoping that makes sense for you. Pete Walker actually goes on to say that there is a more clinical definition in a book called Trauma and Recovery by Judith Herman. As of yet, I have not looked into this book, so you can do that for yourself if you would like to. 
What Pete also says early on, and I'm paraphrasing from his book, and it's that this is a learned response and it is not something that's in our DNA. It's based on our childhood experiences and conditioning, which means that we have the ability to heal it, which is just amazing. So he says it's a disorder caused by nurture or rather the lack of it, not nature. He also goes on to say how fight and flight are triggered by intense flashbacks. Fear can be the dominant emotion, which, um, while also feeling really small, fragile, vulnerable, and powerless, with a feeling of the crushing, toxic shame, as, as what he calls it. It wasn't until I read this section of the book that I could finally have some kind of understanding to all of the things that I feel, but I didn't know how to express And it wasn't until this diagnosis that I could actually look more deeply into this topic. Uh, For me, the greatest examples of the emotional flashback is what I've already talked about in episode eight, which I've called catfished. So um, that one was a major, major, major emotional flashback for me. So if you've already heard that episode, then you you have a bit of an understanding of it. Uh, If you have not heard it, you know, it's up there. Episode number eight. In that episode, I share the story of being catfished by a girl named Taylor. And if you have listened to that episode, you can hear how much I share about the emotions that were triggered for me at that time. This was a massive emotional flashback. This is also what had once again triggered me this past summer or yeah, I guess last summer, so 2019 summer. And now that I have this definition, I'm looking back at my entire history and I realized that I've always had this condition. Right. So I I said that before when I found out about the PTSD and now I'm saying it again because now it's it's just it's just bigger, but it fits for what I have experienced and it fits for what I have been feeling. And you've heard me say that I don't have the visuals of the assaults, but that my body remembers. Right. Do you remember uh, me talking about that? Well, episode eight is, is an example of that on a grander scale, you know, just like this past summer. And it's, it's exactly what Pete Walker talks about is that it's not always visual. In fact, that a lot of the CPTSD symptoms are not visuals, right? They're emotionals. They're in our senses. So this is what I've had. All those terrible feelings of shame, blame, unworthiness, severe low self-esteem, which was paramount during that time back in 2014, and how I returned home and felt like, like I wasn't anybody, that no friend or family should love someone as stupid and as gullible as me. So how could people love someone so insecure, fearful, overweight, who didn't understand what catfishing was? No one should love this person. And this is what Pete calls toxic shame, because this is exactly how I had felt. Going through the emotional flashback and then the harsh and cruel punishment that we impose on ourselves, right? So this is exactly what I'm doing. So once again, I'm going to quote from his book about the toxic shame. And what he says here is toxic shame obliterates the CPTSD survivor's self-esteem with an overwhelming self that he or she is loathsome, ugly, stupid, or fatally flawed. Overwhelming self-disdain is typically a flashback to the way that he or she felt when suffering the contempt and the visual skewering of his or her traumatizing event. Toxic shame can also be created by constant parental neglect and rejection. 
And I want to be really clear on that, that this, that his last point, because abuse does not just have to be physical or sexual. And Pete talks about this as well. So your situation is not like my situation. Your experience may not be like my experience, right? But you're still suffering from the symptoms. As he says, it's the ongoing verbal and emotional abuse that also causes CPTSD. And this one I think is really crucial because back into the definition uh, from Wikipedia, those are some very harsh events that, that, yes, millions of people will actually experience. But there are many people and millions of people that don't experience the trauma to that extreme. But abandonment and neglect um, as a child absolutely can cause CPTSD. So it's very much like when a child is feeling uh, abandoned, neglected by their parents, that this can have a traumatizing effect on the child and lead to arrested development because of the lack of proper nurturing. Something like um, constant belligerence, like speaking to a child in a uh, a hostile or aggressive manner, making children feel like they are never good enough or they're not smart enough, or they're not thin enough, or comparing their child uh, to someone else or even to another sibling, right? Is this something that that's part of your world or that you've seen or have been, you know, are aware of? You know, uh, contempt for a child is very toxic. Feeling that they are not worthy or that the child is beneath the parent's consideration, that is terrible. It's honestly absolutely terrible. This happens all the time, and especially when siblings are placed against each other. All these unhealthy states of nurturing are a form of abuse that a child can take on and have negative health effects for themselves and for for decades to come. Remember me saying that I felt I should be punished, but I didn't know why? It can lead to deep feelings of shame, fear, and depression. Now, this isn't about blaming the parents or elders who raised you or in my, in my situation, my parents and elders, but that their history and their heritage can play a factor in your childhood formative years because as it happened to you, the, likely, the likelihood of it having happened to them is also very great. So here is a list of common CPTSD symptoms that Pete Walker offers. Emotional flashbacks. Tyrannical inner and outer critic. Toxic shame. Self-abandonment social anxiety, abject feelings of loneliness and abandonment, fragile self-esteem, attachment disorder, developmental arrests, relationship difficulties, radical mood vacillations, basically known as mood swings, disassociation via distracting activities or mental processes, hair-triggered fight-flight responses, oversensitivity to stressful situations, suicidal ideation, And basically, I can check off almost all of these as I have felt them throughout my life, sometimes more than others and oftentimes more than once. Okay, and now I'm going to share with you what happened to me at the end of November, this episode that I had had and experienced uh, that has resulted in, as you can still hear, my voice is not is not proper yet. Um, But I wanted to share this with you all because it's because I need to share how it affected me and how it affected my body because the more awareness we have the more we're going to give ourselves the opportunity to heal so I got triggered in November uh, like I said at the end of November while going to see my therapist I was in the waiting room for about 30 minutes prior to seeing her I got there early and uh, I started to read a book that she had recommended to me called the body keeps the score within the first 11 pages of this book 
I was already crying. Um, it was talking about Vietnam vets and the emotions that they felt with PTSD uh, before they were even diagnosed with it. They were talking about their emotions that they couldn't explain while having terrible flashbacks. It talked about the anger that this man would feel and he would isolate himself from his family to not do them any harm. And I recognize that I have deeply rooted anger that hasn't yet been processed. And this scared me. Uh, it talked about how trauma victims continue to repeat experiences and patterns. Oh my God, absolutely. It talked about trauma and how it affects the brain while literally rewiring the brain. And that made me feel extremely sad um, that something was wrong with me. Something's wrong with my brain. The book also talked about sexually traumatized children and the shame that they feel. All of this triggered me and I was I was trapped in my emotions. So so here is what I was going through emotionally. And this was just within the first 11 pages. I felt like a trapped girl. I was crying massive tears of sadness in the recognition of how similar my experiences were to that of the Vietnam veteran. And I literally, and, and again, pardon my language if you're upset by language, but I felt fucked up. I so felt fucked up. And I was telling my therapist this. Um, when the book talked about how the brain is rewired after trauma, I felt like I was beyond hope of healing. I felt like that's it. I'm damaged. I'm damaged beyond repair. I felt like I was never going to get over this because this has happened to me so many times. So many times. I literally felt sick. Um, I felt scared. And so... Here's what my body was going through. My my jaw was tight and jammed. It was so stuck. My gums hurt. My teeth hurt. My throat was sore and extremely tight. And it just like literally clammed shut. And it was very difficult to talk. And you and like, as I said, you can hear it. You can hear this growly voice that I still have two months later. My body was tense and I began compressing myself together because for me, when I can compress and hold myself tight and start to rock back and forth, it offers a little bit of comfort. Um, I tend to knot my fingers, like I, I'm, I'm really hard with them. I'll clasp my fingers together and I'll just kind of rub and knot them. And it's, it's a way for me to try and release the tension. And I wasn't even aware that I was doing it until I was like, oh, this is somehow my body's way of trying to move the energy. I, have, I also tend to rock from side to side. You know, that's, that's what I do. And that's a nurturing thing, right? I, I can, I can grasp my arms and my hands close to my chest and I start rocking side to side. And with her chair, her goes back and forth. Great. I'll do that too, which is what I did. So what happened to me afterwards for two weeks, I had whiplash like symptoms. I couldn't even turn my neck because it was so stiff and it wasn't just in my neck. It spread down into my shoulders and down my back. My jaw stayed tight. It, it just wasn't moving. My voice had changed. You know, it was restricted and it sounded very breathy, um, almost like a, a whisper, right? I'd lost my tone and it was all coming from my tight chest because I couldn't connect um, to my abdomen, which is where we come from. We, we don't talk from the air in our lungs. It comes from the abdomen and I was not connected with my breath. It sounded like I had a cold, even though I didn't have a cold. I was short-winded when talking, because I could feel the compression of my chest and my throat. What happened to me physically during this time? Here I go again. Absolutely exhausted. Absolutely. Down down and out for the count. 
my body was in serious need of rest as this is the reaction um, that I have generally any time I go through a flashback. Uh, again, I, I kept rocking back and forth, back and forth, um, even as I'm talking about this, you know, and even as I was kind of writing the script, that's exactly what I was doing. It's a way to soothe myself. And even as I'm sitting here recording, my body is very active, it, it, you know, other than my lower half because I'm sitting in a chair, but I, I'm already rocking. So I decided I don't want to do it too bad because then it's going to sound like this and then back and forth and then you won't be able to hear what I'm talking about. So this is my immediate reactions um, to the book. I had spent that hour in therapy with my counselor being um, really just an, an acute, uh, in an acute flashback. Um, as I had left there, I recognize that again, one of my main coping mechanisms is sugar because you know how much I love sugar. And if you don't know by now, you should know by now how much I love sugar. And I could, I could feel it. I could sense it in my brain, the thought process of like, okay, I need to go get my sugar. I could feel my body switch into the next gear going, yeah, I need the sugar because that's how I cope. It's a soothing mechanism. It's, it's my security blanket. So I was aware that I had the thought and I was aware that I could feel the body sensation, which is amazing because here's what happened to me that has never happened to me prior to that is I recognized both of those. I recognized the thought, I recognized the feeling, and I also recognized, but it doesn't make me feel good. And that's huge, right? It's huge for me to go to my main source of survival and go, yeah, but when I consume you too much, I literally don't feel good. I actually feel quite sick. So that was amazing because you know what? I actually didn't go and buy anything that day, which is pretty amazing. <laughs> I'd say it's really amazing for me. And I feel proud of myself for that because I recognize and I, I got it. I took it in the moment and, 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 and stood up and said, yeah, thanks. No, I got it. But you know what? You don't make me feel so good. I'm not saying I didn't go out perhaps the next day and get some sugar and what I needed to do because of course I did. However, I did not consume the amounts that I normally do when I am in such an acute state of a flashback. And to me, that is amazing. That is huge for me. And I congratulate myself over having that recognition. It may seem small. It may seem insignificant to other people. But for us who actually go through this process, that is a huge leap into awareness and putting consciousness back into, I want to heal myself, but without the harmful effects. And for me, it's sugar. For other people, it could be drugs or alcohol or sex or something, right? I'm not here to judge. Who the hell am I to judge someone based on what they need to make themselves feel better? I can't. So I don't, um, you know, but I'm very proud of myself for that awareness. And I continued that awareness. So now it's a few months later. Now it's into January. How am I still feeling? Um, I am still aware that my throat, my voice is um, is telling me something. And I did have the discussions with my therapist at that time, with my doctor, with uh, a psychiatrist that was recommended to me, and of course my loved ones. And you know what one of the solutions was, which I'm so doing this tomorrow, is a rage room. You betcha, an actual rage room. I am going to a rage room tomorrow because I've 
here's the thing with my voice and people who have known me know that I've been in theater and I've been on stage and I have a presence and I have a power to my voice. And that's been restricted right now because my poor little girl, she has never had the chance to vocalize what she was experiencing, right? Because she wasn't allowed to. I wasn't allowed to scream. I don't recall if I was ever threatened with my life if I did scream or if I did say something. But the thing is, my whole body, my physicality is so tight, is so restricted that I need to free her up and I need to free up my voice because my voice is part of my podcast. My voice is what's going to help other people by just offering information. And I can't do that if I don't have my voice. So I've really been sitting these past few months um, sitting with with my little girl in, in my dreams and in my meditations to give her the power back. And I've also felt just being the being that I am. I mean, I'm, I'm nearly 5'10". I'm, I'm, you know, I'm a big girl. And one of my ways to do that is to release that physically, get that physicality to move the energy. Why a rage room? A rage room because I don't want to hurt anybody. I have no interest in hurting anybody ever. And it's not about anybody. It's not about taking this energy out on the people who have hurt me. It's about moving the energy to get to the light that I am, right? So we go all the way back to what Pete Walker was talking about, that this is the problem with nurturing. It's not with nature, right? And because I am not born with all of this stuff, I am born in light. I really do believe that for all of us. I really do believe we are all born in light. But our choices that happen or our experiences that happen afterwards, those can have damaging effects. So a rage room is a safe place. It is a safe environment where I can go into this room and I can take a bat or, um, you know, a sledgehammer or something. And I can beat the shit out of these inanimate objects, you know, like plates and cutlery and, and you know, uh, printers and TVs and stuff like that without ever assaulting anybody because that is never what you would want to do it is never what I want to do so this rage room and we have one in Calgary I'm going to put it up in my blog because if you've never heard about a rage room you know this is a place to look into and if you're outside of the Calgary area what do you have in your area that you could do this could you even do this in a, in your basement where you're wearing protective gear protect your face protect your hands protect your body you know whatever you need all of these are going to be provided at the place I'm going to tomorrow and you know do you have things that you just you no longer want you don't need and it's like oh well look at those uh that old um you know china set from like from wherever like i hate that china set i'm gonna smash that china set you know do it safely 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 i will never stop promoting that enough be safe and and release the energy right? Move the energy because when you can move that energy of anger and hatred and blah, 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 you can move into the light. Then you move into the love. Then you move into the healing and the joy of what comes afterwards. But you can't get there by thinking about it. You have to get there by physically moving the energy. Maybe it's kickboxing for you. Maybe it's just taking a tissue and you throw that down. You know, maybe you get satisfied tossing a feather and that could do it for you. That is great, but move the energy. So for me, I'm moving my energy tomorrow. So I am hoping and hoping that that is going to shift my voice. I don't want to keep talking crackly and, and um, stuff like that. That's not my true voice. It's not my true power. I'm doing this to get to my true power. 
So I'm excited about it and I will share on the next episode or something what my experience was like. So that is really cool. I've got a wonderful friend coming with me. Oh God, I'm going to warn her. I'm going to like, listen girl, disclaimer, here's what's going to happen. If you need to step out of the room while I have my five, 10 minutes of whatever, then please do so. Cause I don't want to scare the crap out of anybody. And my therapist had said, well, can you do this in your home? I'm like, I'm in an apartment building. Uh, we do not have concrete floors in between the, you know, the, you know, the ceiling and, and the floor. So I'm like, mm, no, but I did. And I do admit I took my pool noodle. I love it. My dollar store pool noodle. And I whacked it on the bed and I whacked it on the pillow. And then I would take my pillow and I would scream into the pillow. And I've done this a few times now just to kind of prepare myself for uh, tomorrow's rage room experience, which I'm excited about. I'm even clapping silently to myself. Um... And I did that to, to allow myself to feel safe and to tell my little girl that, hey, we're going to do this tomorrow. It is okay. I've got you. I've got you. I've got your back, right? And for me to go, Ursula, this is safe. This is a safe place. I mean, for Pete's sake, they actually created a rage room so that pe people can do this safely, right? It's so much better than blowing up um, against somebody else or against an animal or doing something very terrible to our environment. This is not who we are, right? So take the opportunity to take care of yourself. And that's what I'm going to do. So I'm excited. Like I said, I was prepping in my bedroom. I'm good with that. Hopefully I didn't forget the neighbors. I don't think so because I was screaming in my pillow and I'm hoping that they are a-okay. Last thing I'm going to talk about, um, we're going back to Pete Walker. He has, he has lots of chapters on the recovery process, how to shrink the inner critic, build healthier relationships, which is, which always begins with yourself and how to manage the emotional flash, how, sorry, let me say how to manage the emotional flashbacks. Um, I'm still a little pepped up about tomorrow. Um, and I can't get into all of them, all of them here because it'd be like a really long episode. So in my blog and <clears throat> pardon me, excuse me. Uh, I've also created a resources page now under my blog. So I've put on there links to websites and to books uh, as well. So you can always look them up there. What he had created that I am going to include in my blog, or you can go to his website, it doesn't matter, is that he has 13 practical steps in managing the emotional flashback. This is what I wanted to share. He's, he shared it publicly. So I'm, I'm just basically sharing his information. In the next episode, let's look into the 13 steps. Let's see what uh, Pete Walker talks about and how that can actually help us. I'm also going to share what I'm going to continue to do. I'm going to share the Rage Room experience and what I'm currently doing. So, <laughs> Happy New Year, I guess. Uh, a lot of information. I really, really do hope you find it beneficial that you are being so proactive in your life by loving yourself, taking care of yourself and moving forward. So I thank you for listening in. I love having you here. I love the feedback that people have been giving me. Um, I'm always open to the feedback. Nothing negative. This is a completely judgment-free zone. This is an inclusive space for all people, all people, all genders, all religions, all all backgrounds. Um, this is this is this is meant to be a safe space. So, I will talk to you soon, my friends. Take care. Thank you for listening to this and episode. So he's listed these if you or someone steps you know is in immediate need of in help, bold, please when contact your local authorities and a media distress center. Flashback? Or and then professional what to do care provider. And then, of course, if you'd like more information on this episode or other topics, go to my website, ursulayourdone.com.